Thank you for tuning in and welcome to another epic edition of the Jerry Jones Show. Hosted by Jerry Jones, along with his sidekick, Kevin Anderson. Each and every episode is guaranteed to increase your profits and decrease your stress in dentistry. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. This is Jerry Jones bringing you another Business of Dentistry audio series. Today, man, we are taking a totally different journey, and it's one I'm really excited about. And um, it's it's kind of one of those happy accidents um, that I've had. Um, and so today's special guest is someone who is an absolute expert at the personal relationships and how it relates to our professional relationships. And so with me on today's call, joining me from Utah, is Mr. Dino Watt. Dino, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you great. Thanks. Fantastic. Awesome. Dino, um, you have probably one of the toughest, well, I'm not going to say one of the, I think you probably have the toughest job in business right now. Um, I can't think of anybody that's, that's probably doing a more noble thing either. I mean, I really, uh, I really think what you're doing is really cool. So um, we'll get to uh, a number of topics that revolve around this professional, personal relationships and um, and, and how they can affect your business and, um, and some of the challenges that, uh, that high-energy, high-level, high-operating uh, uh, professionals like Dennis encounter. Um, I, I really think this is going to be an eye-opening um, uh, recording here today, and, and it's something I believe our listeners are going to get a lot out of. So, Dino, why don't you share with our listeners of Dentistry Confidential a little bit about you and how you came to be um, what I would call a relationship expert. Yeah, well, thank you very much, uh, first of all, for having me on your program here. I'm excited to share with people what you'd like to hear about and a little bit about my story and how I hopefully can help a few people think a little differently about the way they approach their business via their relationships. My story is pretty simple. I grew up in a really small town in California, and when I was eight years old, my parents divorced. And often I will tell the story of st- when, I, when I'm on stage of standing and watching my father pack up his little Honda hatchback and I'm on the sidewalk and my dad drives away. And this was back in the mid, uh, well, I guess early eighties. And, you know, where I lived, there wasn't a lot of divorce. So I became that kid. You know, I was the kid that at church kids would look at kind of like, Oh, that's so sad. And, uh, the kids at school would be like, Oh yeah, you don't, your mom and dad aren't together. And it really affected me in a huge way. Um, but one of the things that affected me the most was being able was I still remember very vividly standing on that sidewalk and thinking to myself, like, I can fix this. Like, if you guys would just listen to me, I know what you're doing. That's stupid, Dad. Like, come on. I know how you guys can do this. And, of course, I was eight years old, right? So I'm sure right. every kid thinks he can fix it. But that stuck in my head so much that throughout my life, I became that guy in high school that all the people came to and asked advice for and and try to figure things out. And I, I knew one thing for sure is that I wanted to have a better relationship than my parents had. So what my parents did teach me was what not to do, right? And sometimes yeah. those are the best lessons. So I married my, um, we call each other high school sweethearts, but we really, we dated like very rarely in high school. We didn't even go to the same high school, but I got married uh, when I was about 20, almost 22. And we've known each other since we were five years old. And one of the things that, so she saw my parents divorce and all this stuff. And one of the things that we talked about before we got married was, all right, what were we going to do to make our relationship different? And one of the things that we did is we started putting systems into our marriage that just worked for us, that made sense. And so again, after we got married, we were the couple that all of our friends who got married around the same time would come over and start asking us questions about stuff. And we would give them systems and they'd go away and they'd come back and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that worked. And we're like, yeah, we know it works. <laughs> so um, it just kind of snowballed from there. I, I never really wanted, I, I, I have dyslexia. So, and I didn't know it at the time. It was back in the days where nobody really, they thought I was a dumb kid and acted out. And so education was really difficult for me, but I was very um, street smart. I could see things differently I went through a couple of different professions. I worked in the movie industry for a while because uh, I thought I was going to be an actor. I worked with real estate for a while. But it was during real estate that I realized my calling. And what that was was uh, I became a mentor and a coach for these couples who wanted to do real estate. And the problem was was that a lot of times, not all the times, but a lot of times, 
couples working together, it might not be the best idea because Mm -hmm. they let down their professional guards. They don't take each other seriously or they want to step on each other's uh, rules and responsibilities and things like that. So I found myself dealing with a lot of uh, clients who just could not work well together. And I would spend 40 of my 45 minutes on the phone call with them dealing with their marital issues. So finally I started putting together these little systems for them to work together better. Like what were some of their rules that they had to put into place and how did they have to talk to each other and how did they have to think about each other at work? And one day I had a client come to me and just go, man, you know, this is not just working well in our mar- in our business, but it's really working well in our marriage too. Do you teach something like this? <laughs> and the, the proverbial light bulb went off. And I went, oh my gosh, why isn't anybody teaching it this way? Because all I was doing was taking systems that you would find in companies. Like I worked for Disney before. I worked for Nordstrom. So I worked for Cinemark Theater. So I worked for these big companies that I knew – they had specific systems on how they treated things and did things and created cultures and stuff. And I went, well, if it works in business, if you have a specific system to get a result in business, why can't you do that in your marriage? And I created a program called the business of marriage where I literally did that. I would have clients where I'd say, okay, well, let's talk about your communication. Okay. Well, let's talk about what systems we can put into place for communication. So instead of it being philosophical, instead of it being a diagnosis of who's doing what, who's doing wrong, we started talking about systems and how can you put things into a system in your marriage. Long story short, uh, one of my clients became a gentleman uh, uh, named Garrett Gunderson, who is a best-selling author. Uh, you know yeah. Garrett? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm, spe- I'm speaking with him soon here on the same uh, on the, at the same oh, event. Awesome. So Garrett's talk an to him amazing guy. He's so good. You'll have a great time with him. He's just so smart. Um, he heard about me, had me on his radio show. And we talked like for two hours about relationships. Cut cut to, he ends up hiring me. And at that time, he had a lot of chiropractic clients and just started referring me like crazy. He was like, these chiropractors need to have better relationships. Their relationships are terrible, blah, blah, blah. And that rolled into dent- a couple of dentists and a couple of orthodontists and a couple of CPAs. And so I kind of just became exclusive to people who, as you said at the beginning of this, were kind of living at a higher level and more... Uh, maybe a little more stress in their life. Uh, they were, I call them uh, high income producers. So sure. not consumer producers. So um, then I had another aha moment about three years ago, no, four years ago. Um, we were on in 2013. My wife and I took our kids and we did a year long road trip across the country. And in on that road trip, I went to a couple of my clients' houses and one of my clients was an orthodontist and he was like, Dino, I just got to talk to you, you know, about this and uh, what's going on in our marriage is going so great. He's like, but what I, I'm dealing with is I'm dealing with all these other marriages, quote unquote, in my office. So all the systems you taught us in our marriage, can I use that in my business? And I had another light bulb go off and I went, oh, yeah, of course you can. So I started <laughs> teaching him the same systems, but how to do that with multiple people. And then the practice RX was born and I wrote that within a year and or two years, I guess it was two years later, I wrote it and released it. And that's where I am now. You know, you've, you've covered so many amazing (laughs) developments and, and really big ideas that, I mean, for the untrained ear listening to this first 10 minutes, um, it, it probably sounded like a great story and, you know, some real breakthroughs, but I'm sitting here, overwhelmed at the number of uh of strategies you've revealed just in in business like you know um finding a need and filling it recognizing what people are saying and giving it to them and charging um and 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 taking what you've learned from other industries that have nothing to do with personal relationships and weaving it into something like this and creating systems um as you're talking to one of the you mentioned your own personal story where you remember your father leaving, um, someone very, very close to me, has that exact same story. And mm. it's really something that connected the two of us um, for what's uh, you know a lifelong bond. And uh, it really resonated with me. So I immediately, I felt like I was in, in your head where you were at, why this sort of you know, has followed you your whole life and why you've turned a, you know, something at the time which was heartbreaking into something that now you, know, you can help others avoid something like that. Um, and, and by the way, when you were eight, you probably could have fixed the problems if they would have. Oh, yeah. Listened, you know? There's no um, doubt in my mind. I mean, I'm totally confident I could have. 
<laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. You know, this has been this, this is already such an an enjoyable uh, time for me. I, I I really I'm getting a lot out of this already. Um, yeah. Systems. Who would have thought systems in marriage? But as you're also talking, I'm thinking about my own marriage, and which has been just marvelous. I'm I'm the luckiest guy in the world. Uh, 18 years of marriage. Um, it's going to be 19 in July, and you know, I mean, she, my wife, has weathered just some amazing stuff with me, storms of <laughs> of the worst kind, and she has been just a peach. Um, but we have systems. I don't even, I didn't even realize it, but we do have systems. We have systems and routines, and you know, it's when we get outside those systems or routines when we run into trouble um, with communication. And I'm, I'm seeing the valid. I, in other words, I'm as you're speaking, I'm validating in my own mind what you're saying, because it's so true. Um, bridge the gap for me. So uh, you take marid, marital systems, systems that make marriages better um, and easier to, to deal with. How did you, I mean, what was the, how did you merge that over to a system in dealing? Cause I mean, I, I'm looking at my, I'm thinking of my own dental office. There are nine or 10 women and one guy there. And I'm the yep. only other, you know, there's two other men we're not there that often. So it's a highly imbalanced work environment and, and relationships are tough. I mean, they're tough all around. How did you make that? How did you bridge that gap between personal and business and, and installing that in, as a system in, a, in, in practice? Well, I, I truly believe, and I know it's going to maybe sound a little according to some people, but the fact is, is that Every single thing I've received, and I believe everybody has ever received to this very moment in my life, has come through a relationship. And everything I'll ever receive from here on out will come through a relationship. So to me, all business is, is really understanding how to master your relationships. Because, yeah, you have five or 10 or 20. I have an office with 80 women in it, right? That's a lot of different personalities. That's a lot of different uh, love languages, if you will. There's so many different things you have to deal with. But it all comes down to how you show up, number one, about yourself and how you feel about yourself, how confident you are in yourself. Uh, number two, how you really want to create a team environment instead of a staff environment. I have a big, I have a big wording with that that I think is important. And then also how you want to have that relationship with your clients. And so for me – the gap is kind of obvious in the sense of wow if i'm if I walk into my office every single day, knowing who I am, um, being confident in my abilities, getting over the same issues that I think every every person has, which is that imposter syndrome, right oh they're going to figure me out or I don't know what I'm doing or whatever, but being able to step into what I call the alpha mode, and a lot of people look at alpha as weird because alpha has gotten a bad rap in the sense of, you know, when you think of an alpha male, you think of the guy in the wife beater t-shirt and the, you know, drinking a beer and he's a jerk, right? Or right. some guy who's over, who's, uh, who's dominating. But right. really when it comes down to it, an alpha is someone who just knows how to make a decision and demand that, de that, that decision is stuck because he knows who he is and he knows what his core values are. So when you understand that, then leading is a lot easier. But when you don't know that and when you're trying to just, you know, tread water and you're worried so much about all these other stresses and frustrations and then you add on top of it that you're not willing to make a really strong decision, you're making a decision usually based on whining as opposed to saying, no, this is what I want because this is my core value and this is our core value in the office. Then you end up dealing with people who, you know, I, I see this a lot. There's a lot of doctors that are emasculated because of that same thing you said, that energy, that female energy that's in the office. You know, it becomes the, hey, I'd like to put this into play. Maybe I went to a seminar or I saw a speaker and I learned a new technique. Hey, I'd like to do this. And you get overruled by everybody else in the office. You know, even if they try it for six weeks, then they end up going back to the same thing because you don't know how to step into that role of a true Leader. Now, by the way, alpha isn't just male. It's male or female. It's just a matter of taking the alpha lead. And that, um, so to me, that relationship with yourself is the most important thing. And the statistics just show me that that's not happening because an alpha of somebody who knows who they are, who has a great relationship with themselves, they don't have high rates of uh, substance abuse addictions. 
an alpha, somebody who knows who they are and are confident with who they are, they don't have high rates of suicide so, or, or affairs or divorces or you know, go down the list, right? So that tells me that's a glaring issue. So let's work on that first and over and over and over and over again. I mean, I get people who look at me, it's holy cockeyed, right? Because when I'm dealing with professionals like dentists, orthodontists, chiropractors, CPAs, you guys live in the world of education. You live in the world of you could figure it out. And yet I say, all right, work on your relationships. Work on you. Take time for you. Take time, five minutes a day just to meditate and think about who you are and how you're going to step into yourself. They look at me like, oh, come on. That's all foo-foo. That's all like that's too easy. But the real fact is is that because you're having to look inside yourself and say, you know what? How am I being as a leader? How am I being as a man to myself or a woman to myself? How am I treating me? How are my thoughts? Am I having too many negative thoughts going on? To do that, it means you have to get vulnerable. And vulnerable is scary, so we don't go there. So that's kind of a long way of how I bridge that gap. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I mean, it, it makes sense. You you talk about, um, you know, alpha and, and how um, alpha males or females really don't suffer from a lot of the challenges that non-alpha male or females in the professional world suffer from. Um, That's right. Would you, be, would you go so far as saying uh, you really, a person should strive to get to alpha, or, yes. or am I really going too far? No, no, no. Absolutely you need to. That's one of the first things I talk about. It's kind of the hidden chapter, the secret chapter in my book in, in a way too, because – Listen, until you step into that mode of and, – and, and like I said, alpha just means you know who you are and you know what your core values are. You know what you're going to expect and only accept from people. So that's the first thing. If you want to be a true leader, if you want to growth and expansion in your office and your business, you have to be willing to say, how can I get into that alpha, even if people don't like it? even if I get pushback, even if I'm going to hurt people's feelings. And that's not my intention is to hurt people's feelings, but people will do that because they know if they say that you hurt their feelings, then you'll back off because they've trained you how to do that. Um, but the moment you step into that alpha and you just declare, this is who I am, then you have ownership. You have ownership of every decision. And that means, as a true leader does, they say, I'm going to make a decision. And even if that decision goes sideways, I'm still going to own that I made that decision because, you know what, I want to learn from that mistake and I'm going to learn from that failure instead of being beta and going, well, you know, I don't want to push anybody. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. I just want to have to deal with it. It's such a pain and all that stuff is beta. Okay, so this is starting to come together for me. In a, uh, so conversations like this to me are crazy because they, 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 not, they don't – they they help you create a new perspective, not not modify an existing one you have. Even it's creation of a whole new perspective. So as you're talking about this, I'm seeing, I'm thinking of different members of mine that I've known for years, um, and I can tell you, all of the alpha are very well off. Their practices yep. are very successful. All of the beta are can't even bring themselves to fire someone. They have the wrong person in the wrong job. That person's going to be better off in another, in another office or another career, but they can't bring themselves to fire that person. And, you know, that is, go, that is kowtowing or, as you said, you know, um, they're not going to push it. They're just going to live with it. And I think people would – you, would you agree that people that, that try to, quote, unquote, live with it are, are the ones that are at risk of, you know, losing it and having challenges that they shouldn't? really have if they were in alpha state or, you know, if they were alpha as opposed to beta? So I don't even have to, um, I don't have to be the person to agree to that. I can just look at, let's look at the statistics of the number one killer of dentist, stress-related cardiovascular disease. The only reason people get stressed in life is when they feel like their life is out of control. And when you live in a world where you know you should be firing someone, you should let them go, and you don't because you're either too afraid of them, you're worried about anything from, I don't know, the lawsuit to the complaining to the crying, then you live in a world of fear. You live in a world of stress. And so that 
affects your health in a huge way. And the statistics are there. Like, it's not just me with a really cool opinion. It's, well, why are we doing this? Why are we allowing or accepting these to be the statistics from the people who are in a large part control of our health being so unhealthy that way? Um, Emasculation is a huge thing. Uh, Not having to worry about it or deal with it. As I mentioned earlier, you know, you guys are very educated people. And yet, never got education in school anyway on how to actually run a business, how to deal with people, how to deal with certain personalities because you're so busy worrying about the academics and the technicalities of what you do. Well, I can understand, and this is why I, I nothing I say is out of um, blame or uh, talking down. I, I hope it's a discovery to people because what I see is I see people who are so used to being high-level achievers who are so used to being able to figure it out. They can study hard. They can read a lot of books. They can talk to a professor. They can figure out how to solve the case. But here in this area of their life, which is very big, which is a very important part of their area, they can't figure it out. And so that causes stress and overwhelm and frustration. And Because they don't want to have that, they think, well, I'm just going to back off. I'm just going to control what I can control or what they think they can control and then just learn to live with and deal with my office manager who has been here for 20 years but should have been gone 15 years ago, my uh, treatment coordinator or my hygienist who is not uh, fit for what I want in my office, but you know, it's a pain in the butt to try to find somebody else. And what that creates is this incongruity in their own integrity of themselves. Because think about this. Let's just say there's somebody in your office that you know should have been gone a long time ago. Every time, not sometimes, not once in a while, but every time you pass them by in the office, either your conscious or your subconscious is saying, that person should be gone. I'm out of integrity. I'm not being honest with them. I'm lying to them. Every time you laugh with them at a a company function or something, you're being dishonest and disingenuous because you're also thinking, ah, I just wish they weren't here. Yeah, they're funny right now or yeah, they're okay here, but man, now I got to go back into the office and deal with them about this person or that person. And that causes stress and that causes frustration and that causes disease and disease and sickness. And the story goes on. Fascinating, and this is there's just so much. This validates um, management practices that are done um, for other reasons, but for for other right reasons. But this validates it to me. For example, you know, dealing with an employee who you should who you should terminate, for example, or yeah. or dealing with a spouse whom you're better off not being with. You know, for your mm-hmm. kid's sake, for your own health, for her health or his health, whatever. It's having the courage to say, hey, this isn't working, what do we do about it? Um, I was reading, uh, I'm reading a a great book right now. Um, It came on Friday, uh, and and this is Monday, it came Friday. I haven't been able to put it down. It's followed me around. I've I've taken it to appointments with me. I mean, I literally can't get get it out of my head. It's Tim Ferriss' latest book, uh, Tools of Titans. Uh, Oh, yeah, I I literally have it sitting right here on my desk. That's funny. Uh, that's a great book. Anybody listening to this should read that book. Well, they should read your book first, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, and I, by the way, I've already, as we're talking, um, you know, I've already sent a little note order book uh, to my personal assistant because I got to have it. I'll just, I'll, um, I'll send it but, to you. Don't worry. I'll, I'll just send it to you. Well, that's very kind. Thank you. Um, uh, but in, in, anyway, inside the tools of Titans, there are a number of – the way this book is written is just really interesting to me. Essentially what, it, what Tim did is he stripped out all of his podcasts and turned them into book chapters, and it's brilliant. I did this, I've done the same thing, and I did it with one of my most recent books, as a matter of fact. So it's a brilliant strategy to take content and repurpose it and get it out there and you know, turn it into yeah. something useful for other folks. But um, he, he, was, he was talking about one, one of the gentlemen that he had interviewed, and he had met him in person. And this guy, he's a, a physician, and he's a real no-nonsense, no-bullshit kind of person. And so Tim sits down to, to, to talk to him, and he looks at Tim Ferriss. And Tim, by the way, is very fit. I mean, this, is a, this isn't a guy oh, yeah. that you know, is sitting around in, in a chair getting fat. Uh, he, grabs, um, he grabs his boob, pinches his boob, 
Tim, uh, Tim's boob and po- points to his belly and he says, you're fat. <laughs> now, this is a position. Now, it, it, I thought, you know, there's something about honesty, just real blunt, mm-hmm. you know, honesty that's so – it's disarming, but it's also shocking. And, mm-hmm. like, that's the one of the big things I remember from the book, which, you know, it's, it, I, it, I, I picked up the lesson there. It's like, okay, if I can't be honest with myself mm-hmm. and other people, I'm, I'm really not – doing all I can for myself and others that are around me. So I, I took that as, I took a lot of truth to that. So um, yeah, it's it, it fascinating. And so that's kind of what we're dealing with here is, is being able to look in the mirror and go, you're fat or you're a baby, you're a boob. Why aren't you not doing what you should be doing? You know, you need to confront this stuff, take it head on and get beyond it and, and move, move forward. Don't, don't be held back. So uh, I love that. Um, when you're, when you go to work with, um, the small number of folks that you work with on an annual basis, because you had mentioned in our pre-call, you work with a very small number of people. I mean, based on the kind of work you do, I totally get it. Um, mm-hmm. Less about a half dozen folks a year, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, what are what are the two biggest or three biggest challenges that keep coming up over and over again with the dozens of people that you've worked with? Um. Shockingly for me, and, and I guess it's just because I started my business off a little differently, uh, number one is always getting them to really narrow down what their vision for their business and their life is. Um, and I'm not talking like a, a, a weekend seminar mission statement stuff. I'm talking like what is your vision that you're leading this group of people to? Because if you don't have something solid of exactly what you're trying to do, whether it be you know small and 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 an intimate vision, or if it's something that's you know three-page long vision, and I mean a vision, not just an idea in your head. It's written down. It's specific. It talks about what you want this world to be like because of your presence and your business and all this stuff. I mean, I think it's very important to have all this stuff down. And it's and the reason isn't just because it's nice to have it down, but it's it's because it's your anchor in life. You know, I know exactly what I want to do with my life. And my my vision for the world is to reverse the direction of divorce, addiction, and suicide amongst private practice owners. Like, that is it. So when I have a shiny object come into my life, which we all do, when I am even, you know, feeling having a, my own personal pity party about something going on in my life, my vision was what pulls me back to getting down to work and doing what I need to get done. And so when I know when people are lost, I know when people are are struggling in their business, and I know when, when especially when I go and I see that you know they purchased this new thing or they've gone to this new seminar, that I know they don't, and, and they're random. I know they don't have a specific vision. So working on that's the first thing. And then number two, I've mentioned them a couple of times, is you can have a vision, but you have to know how to get there. And so that's where your core values come into place, and knowing what your true core values are, not core values that some branding expert told you would sound really good on a website or a business card, but really like, what are you about? Because without knowing that, why would anybody buy from you other than the fact that you're close to them or you have a, a, a cheaper price than your competitor? I mean, that just doesn't make any sense to me. So knowing who you are and your core values. Um, and then I would say probably the third thing would definitely be getting people to really buy into the idea that your marriage, if you're married, if you're not, just your relationships in general, they're a reflection of your business and your business is a reflection of you. And your, and your I'm sorry, and your, um, they're a reflection of your business and your business is a reflection of your marriage. And so really, if you, instead of trying to fix both, you just have to fix one thing, but that means you have to commit to becoming that one thing. If you're going to commit to a certain way of a simple, simple, simple thing, what's your relationship with your schedule is one of the things that I talk about that to people. Okay. So, oh, you know, most people, their schedule runs them instead of them running their schedule. And I'm talking about beyond your clients, but even your off time, your lunch time, your uh, Saturdays and Sundays, like what's your schedule and how are you scheduling that? Well, look, how you show up on your schedule is how you show up in life. If you're scattered and, and kind of like, well, I'll get to it when I get to it, that's exactly what's happening in your life. 
So understanding that relationship is, is one that I see a lot of people struggle with. But when they get it, it's really, it's really interesting because it's kind of like, holy crap, I could have been doing this this whole time. Or, you know, like, it's that easy. It's that, it, it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a struggle, right? That's what we're taught. And, and that's another conditioning thing that to get people over that conditioning that doesn't have to be that hard is, is a little bit of a challenge. But once they get it, it's, it's awesome. You know, relationships, good relationships, I've always found um, are effortless. And mm-hmm. uh, what I mean by that is there's a balance. There's a good give and take balance. And I think of um, relationships that I have uh, both, you know, just friends only and then uh, others who are, are business acquaintances. And then I have a, a very small handful, um, maybe five or six, that are business and personal. In other words, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was one before the other uh, or both mm-hmm. at the same time. And it's just we've developed strong bonds. Those relationships have always been effortless to me. Um, the ones that are challenging are the ones who typically somebody is looking for something from me, like they're expecting something other than what I am or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, they want something I'm not. And um, transparency in who I am always seems to be the best route to go. Um, I, 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 always, I always think of it as um, I want to repel as much as I want to attract. And so even in relationships, there are people that I don't want around me. They're toxic. And so I will, I repel them. And there are others that I do want around me. Um, and I work hard at, at attracting them through just making sure, um, going back to where, where you talked about um, uh, sharing what my vision is, who I am, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and why I am that way, my core values. Mm-hmm. Um, I want people around me that, that are a reflection of those things and that support those things, not any, anything that chips away at it. So um, yeah, and, and I would say if I if I if I may that to me I I think the same thing about your your customers right because there's a yeah. relationship there your clients the the patients that come in like I I tell my clients post your core values in your front office or around your building to let them know who you are and what you'll accept and what you won't accept because if not they're going to bring theirs in and you're going to have to deal with that oh. Uh, you know, that, that awkward feeling of you telling them no or whatever. But I also think that what you just said is so important because you do attract that. It's, I say this word all the time with my clients, it, it magnetizes people to you or it completely rejects them from you. And you want both. Yeah. You want no ambiguity there. You want it to be very clear. This is who we want. This is who we love. This is who we're going to give our best service to and because we're alike or, hey, if you're this type of pain-in-the-butt client, if you're going to be the person who's not going to do what we ask you to do, yeah, we don't want you. And we don't want to have to be the people to beg you to take care of yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, because nature abhors a vacuum, and it doesn't, re- and it doesn't yeah. matter what, what the topic or subject is. If there's a vacuum there, it will get filled. I mean, you can look at politics and foreign policy. You can look at business. You can look at relationships. Nature pours a vacuum. Either you fill yep. it or it will be filled for you, and most likely you won't like what it's filled with. Mm-hmm. It's so so true. I, I, I appreciate that very much that comment. Um, you know, you talked about posting your core values. Um, one of the advantages I see in letting people know what your core values are is that when there is deviation from those core values, you can use your core values as leverage to change behavior if it is all possible to change it. So, uh, I mean, I, I, one of our onboarding processes for new employees at, at my dental office is there are a series of seven or eight emails that goes out. Each, of, each one of the emails has a particular purpose behind it. Um, it might be how to solve problems, like we have an email on how to solve problems. There's yep. four steps to problem solving, not one of which includes fixing the blame, right? Look yep. in the mirror. Yep. That's probably where the problem originated from. Um, we have those things. We have, you know, here's your employee manual. Uh, we have, you know, here's our mission uh, statement. Here's our vision. Here are um, here are our, our, our core our core values, just like you said. And so one of the things we do is we also have like a uh, I don't know what to call it other than a, you know here are expectations of behaviors. So if mm-hmm. your behaviors yeah. are outside of these, you know you're you're going to be disciplined or you'll be sent packing one or the other. Mm-hmm. And and so we leverage those as as training tools and as if if there is a deviation, we just look at the person and go. Um, you know, this is what happened today, and I'm looking to you to tell me how that fits into our core values. Yep, that's and, brilliant. And, if you look at um, 
Have you ever read uh, Tony Shea's Delivering Happiness? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same same thing. I mean, I I read that after I had um, been doing this for a while, but he actually says that the way that I tell my clients, they are your hiring and firing list. It makes things so clear-cut and simple. There's no, you know, ambiguity about it. There's no arguing about it. It's like, okay, let's let's sit down together and let's pull out the core values. Um, when I go through the exercise with my clients, I'll typically, after they solidify them and get them done, I and, and they do that with the current team that they have, um, I'll have them send them out to every single member of their team, and every member is required to write at least one paragraph below the core value of what that core value means to them. And that will be used in an interview where they will sit down and talk about it together after they get it done. So there's 10 core values. They'll go through all 10 and they'll sign it at the end, kind of like their contract to work there. Yeah. So therefore, when you are having a disciplinary issue or you need to, even just if you're just having your employee review, you pull it out. Hey, let's talk about these. How are they going? How do you feel like they're going? How do you work? Where, where are the areas you feel like you're kind of lacking on? Here's some areas where I think you might be lacking on. And that's the conversation. Yeah. No, it's, I, I love it. I mean, that, that, is, that is taking um, – well, I, I had the unfortunate task of releasing someone not too long ago. And, I, I mean, I really hate – I don't like firing people. No one really does. I think no, this sure. is a good person, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, it's a situation where um, you should have done mm-hmm. everything you can to get that person trained up, offer them assistance, whatever. I mean, you, gotta, you, know, you have to exhaust all your means before you terminate someone. Um, I mean, that's the right thing to do, and that's what you and I would want done if we were in that situation. So uh, at, the end of the, at the end of the rope, so to speak, you know, it's not, a, it's not even a, you know, you're a horrible person, I'm going to have to fire you. It's like, well, we have these goals and objectives that were set up. They have not been met. You know, you know what's coming. You know, this is, this is the end of the line for you or whatever. That's not my conversation that I have exactly, but, I mean, the point is, um, they are getting rid of themselves. They are, you know, they have identified themselves as not being able to meet the objectives or goals that were set out for them. So they're really terminating themselves. Um, that's, you know, that's really the ideal situation you should get to in that kind of a circumstance. I mean, in my perspective, and you know, having done this for probably too long, but um, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just it, it's one of those tough things. And anyway, um, well, the way I look about- at it is that I just look at it as we're just not a fit for each other. And that way there's no blame, right? It's not even not even that you're not a fit for us or we're not a fit for you, which that's, that's a little easier to say, hey, I don't think we're a fit for you. But we're not a fit for each other. It's like in a dating situation. You have to get at the place of going, you know, we tried this out. We thought it might work. But it looks like we're just not a fit with each other, for each other. That's not to say, like, their values are their values. They're not wrong for having them or believing a certain way. It's just we're not congruent, and that's okay. I love you enough as a human being to not make you or, or, or allow you even to come into a place of work where we're just not congruent and we're not a fit to, for each other. So, therefore, I want to love you into another position, another job. Yep, yep, great way to put it, great way to put it. Uh, Dino, let's talk about your book. Um, okay. Uh, um, tell me a little bit about um, you know what what the big takeaways um, might not all of them but a couple of the big takeaways from your book um, yeah. and, um, and basically you know what um, what is someone going to get uh, what what should they look for as a value proposition from your book? Awesome, uh, thank you for that. The book itself is set up to be a instruction guide. To give you an example of that, I had a dentist reach out to me probably about six months ago, and as a uh, study group, he and about eight other dentists were getting together. They're going to read my book together, and their idea was, hey, we're going to read this in a month, and then we're going to get together and talk about it, and they do like a phone call or whatever. He reached out to me. He's like, Dino, um, this is not a one-month book. This is like a year-long book, and I was like, yeah, that's how it was meant to be, It's and it's an exercise program. It's making sure you get down to doing all the exercises so that you can get the results at the end of the book. But it's set up pretty simply. And what I did is I made it formulaic. Most of the people I deal with, they understand systems and A plus B equals C. If I want to get to this, I got to do that. So the book is put together in four parts. The first part is all about the culture of an office, the culture being what's your vision, your expectations, and your support systems. 
Then we break it down into the operations of your office, which are what are you, what's the why? How do you hire people from a why? I call it hiring for a purpose. I mean, yeah, hiring for a purpose, not a position. Um, and then uh, you break that down further. You go into your relationships. What's your relationship with yourself? What's your relationship with your team? And I use the word team instead of staff because it, staff is an infection nobody wants. So we break that down. How do you have a really good relationship with them? Because once you have a relationship with them, then you go to the third part, which is the relationship with your customers or your clients. And then third is your operate, your excellence. Sorry. How do you get to excellence? How do you create a mentorship program? How do you how do you hire mentors? How do you become a great mentor? How do you celebrate success? And how do you have continual learning going on in the office? So it breaks down pretty simple. And that way, it's kind of like a quarterly review of what you can do. Oh, we can do this part this quarter, this part next quarter. And in a year, now listen, you can read through the book. If you don't do any exercises or anything like that, you can read through the book pretty quickly. It's a pretty simple read. But it's story-based. I want people to walk away with understanding that it's not just theory. It's what these other doctors or experts have or other um, even leaders have actually put into play and in what the relationship and the result has been since then. And it's really practical, straightforward stuff that most people aren't doing or looking at as a part of, of the important part of running a business. Wow, cool. Um, well, I mean, I, I, like I said, I haven't read the book yet. I'm anxious to read it. Um, I think that this is – what we're talking about here to me is um, – is really something that I would I would fashion nine out of ten dentists struggle with. They either have an imbalance in a uh, at their office, uh, their professional relationships are out of balance, partly because they haven't reached alpha, um, and I would say that's probably the big reason why they don't have a vision, um, and and they certainly you know the, their core values haven't been expressed in a in a way that everyone knows what they are. And by the way, without sharing vision, how do you get people to get behind what you're trying to accomplish? Right? I mean, you got to have a clear yeah. Vision. Exactly. That's that's why it's so surprising to me. I'm like, well, think about the great leaders in the world ever, ever. Like, you at least knew where they stood, even if you didn't like it. You at least knew where they stood, and you had a choice, either in or out. Yeah, I want to follow that. No, I don't want to follow that. And if you're not giving them an option, they can't possibly. It's just like clients, right? Clients making a decision based upon your location and your next coupon or your lower price, that's a very iffy and terrible client to have because when the next guy brings in the cheaper deal or moves in closer to them, you're gone. Well, the same thing with your employees. If you don't give them a vision and a reason, I had a doctor say to me once, he's like, hey, look, my, he was talking about his front office uh, girls and he was like, he's like, hey, look, my front office girls, I've had like five in the last two years because as soon as their husbands get a transfer, they're out of here anyway. And it's like, we know, wouldn't you want to create a situation where they would tell their husbands or at least be very frustrated with their husbands about wanting to leave because they love their job so much because it gives them a place of excitement and fun and, and makes them feel better about themselves and growth and opportunity. Wouldn't you rather have that? And he's like, well, you just can't make it. They don't care. And it's just that, that type of doctor. But that's what I'm talking about, like not having a vision. Why would people follow you? Right. Yep. I I have an interesting, and by the time this this hits the street, this audio hits the streets, uh, I'll be completed with it. But uh, just in a couple of days, I have a uh, many of my members are meeting for a mastermind. Actually, a small number of them are meeting for a mastermind two days. And one of the things that we're going to be covering there is uh, how to develop a vision. And we're actually going to be working on that in That's the mastermind awesome. because um, my biggest concern is, you know, you can, even though we're sort of, you know, we're there for business, um, learning better ways to attract and retain customer, you know, patients and, and team members and on and on and on, all the things that surround business. But unless you have a vision uh, and, and it's easily um, and clearly communicatable, in other words, it's easy to understand. People get it. Mm -hmm. They can get behind yeah. it. They can yeah. believe it. You're doing a lot of work for a whole lot of nothing. I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, you just have a job. You're not building anything of significance. You have built a job and and jobs are interchangeable and people in a job situation are interchangeable. There's no loyalty, there's no there really is no reason for people to get behind you or or your vision. And 
I think that's where a lot of professional practices fall apart. They, they have never spent a day, a half day, an hour, two days, a week, really considering what is my vision? What do I want? How do I see things unfolding in the next hour, 10 days, 10 years, whatever the time frame is, and being able to clearly um, communicate that to others? Uh, one of our highest performing members um, uh, completes what he calls an ideal scene, which is really a vision, right? Mm-hmm. His ideal scene, he does this for everything, the smallest of things and the biggest of things. He creates an ideal scene where he has detail about how things unfold, what they look like, what smells are occurring at that time, you know, I mean, sunshine or yeah, rain. Awesome. I mean, he really gets detailed in what he sees. Consequently, this guy's like, I think he probably is the single highest performer when it comes to revenue and even in, uh, especially on the happiness level, this guy is about as happy as they're going to uh, wow. people come. But it all sort of started at that vision um, and, yep. and being able to create that, you know, that, um, uh, that, that uh, you know, I guess vision that, that he can share with others. And I think that's been a big part of his success. And I, I don't know if he would credit where he's at to that. I think he would because I, I know he really uh, um, understands the power of that vision, mm-hmm. uh, visioning, mm-hmm. if you will. So anyway, I think I mean, this is all this is all stuff that a lot of dentists are going to hear, and they're like, "Well, this doesn't have anything to do with doing a crown faster or getting my <laughs> margins just right, or this doesn't have anything to do with you know my P and L at the end of the day." Dude, I got news for you; it has everything to do with all of the above and and so, some. So let me show you. Just I'll give you one little uh, tidbit of evidence on that. Um, so every in my program at about month six, I typically challenge my clients to set a goal for their month that is like their big, hairy, scary goal. Like they're like, man, if we would hit this, that would just rock my world. Can't believe it. So every month I do this, my clients always hit it and if not to exceed it. But I was just talking to one of my clients the other day who in August, uh, he's an orthodontist and he set they, they, the highest they'd ever done in his almost 20 years of being in, a, in an office, uh, was uh, 40, 43 starts. So they were like, okay, we're going to go crazy. And it's August, so it means kids just went back to school. It's usually a really slow month, and that's what, that's what made us think about this and, and to focus on this. So they went, they went crazy, and they said, okay, we're going to do 45. That's what's going to be our goal. They ended up the month with 53. And he says, the most amazing thing about all of it is they didn't work like through lunches. They didn't do extra hours. All they did is they all thought differently about what they were going to do and they approached it a little differently. And yeah, they fit in a few more people in the schedule in the sense of, oh, we can move that person around in the front office girls. They were calling some people to see if they wanted to come in that month. But to almost have a 25% over what they normally do in a month, just over the idea that they thought differently about it. That's why the vision is important. That's why the core values are important. Because when you have that, now you can lead people to something. And I, I always use the, the total dichotomy, but the truth behind a Walt Disney and an Adolf Hitler. Right? Totally contrasting guys. But boy, did those guys know how to create a culture. And if you do that, because they knew what they wanted. They had a vision of exactly what they wanted. One was horrible, terrible, awful. One still lasts to this day because it's imagineering, it's imagination. But he had this vision that we would never stop growing. That's that's the beauty of it. You can't tell me that Walt Disney was sitting back there going, oh, yeah, we're going to be a multi-billion dollar, multi-international company in less than 50 years because oh, he didn't have a vision. Yeah. It all, it all starts with a vision. Whether your vision is to be, you know, the you know your community's number one referred to dentist or in, in how that's going to carry out and what that means to you financially – I mean, it really doesn't matter what your vision is, but you gotta you gotta have something. It's the foundation for yeah. everything that takes place. So, yeah, man, um, Dino, this has to be one of the most fascinating uh, calls I've done, and and I can't oh. tell you how long. And oh. and it's in an area that's somewhat uncomfortable for me because I am not, you know, I'm not a, a vision expert or a relationship expert. I'm just kind of more of a nuts and bolts type of guy. Um, but, but this has really um, really been fascinating. 
Um, how can people get a hold of you, learn more about you, and get your book? Uh, definitely go to just dinowatt.com is uh, where I have all my stuff there. Matter of fact, but it, when is this? This is going to be released within the next couple of weeks, I'm assuming. Um, more like probably two months, maybe three months. Two months. So, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So by the time they hear this, um, I, I'm actually doing a whole new program where I'm putting up a, a thing on my website where you get 21 days of free video training content that's coming out um, through a whole program that I'm putting together. And uh, so you can go up there, they can get that, they can get my book up there too. As a matter of fact, uh, my book on there you can get for free other than the shipping and handling. You know, I ask you to pay the shipping and handling, I'll send the rest of it to you for free because I don't consider a book a business plan. I consider it a business card. So I love to get my book out to as many people as possible. Um, I speak at a lot of different events. I love I'm speaking in like at Ortho 2 coming on the keynote uh, coming up in a couple of weeks at Disneyland. Uh, they need a speaker at one of their uh, conferences. Either a big conference or small conference, doesn't matter. I do a lot of trainings and four, three, two hours, it doesn't matter. And so there's it'd be a great place to, to get me there too. So Awesome. Fantastic. So go check out uh, dinowatt.com. It's D-I-N-O-W-A-T-T.com. Watt, like uh, light bulb, Watt. Yep. Um, and and there are just, there's, there's some great content just on your site, and I think it lays out really well how you operate and what, you know, what it is you do and how you can help folks um, uh, that are listening to this call. Uh, Dino, I mean, just a pleasure to meet you, pleasure to take time uh, and, and learn what it is you do, how you do it, and how you can help uh, doctors uh, like our listeners. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. And, and Dino, thank you once again. Um, reach out well, to thank you, Kip Jerry. Parker. Absolutely. Um, stay on the line awesome. for a moment, Dino, and, and yeah. we'll wrap up. And for the rest of you, thanks for joining me with Dino Watt, and we'll catch up with you all real soon. Thank you. Hey, Jerry Jones here. Thank you for joining me on this edition of the Jerry Jones Radio Show. You've reached the end of this segment. You can always listen in to the next show by visiting jerryjonesdirect.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher. Or find the show at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Jerry Jones. For more information about Jerry Jones Direct, go to jerryjonesdirect.com or give us a call, 503-339-6000. Our member ambassadors are standing by to assist you. And once again, thank you for listening to The Jerry Jones Radio Show.